Yeah, yeah. So, um, more than two billion dads on the planet. Turns out I won the award. <laughs> Second place may be up for grabs, but I think Father Abraham may have won that one. I don't know. So, um, yeah. Hey, um, we're in a series right now called Be the Church. And uh, something I, I think is super important. Jesus had a conversation with Peter, uh, and I think it was like a stone cold conversation, kind of like where someone looks at you and says, you are really important. He looked at Peter and he says, on you I'm going to build my church. You're the rock. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he wasn't necessarily just talking about Peter, but it was the idea that the church would be on you and on me. And why I think that that is so important that we recognize is there is a lukewarm, passive idea in the church today that you can, hey, you're a Christian, you get the button and you made it in. And that is bull honky snot, man. I, 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 um, I, I think we have missed mission. We have missed purpose. We have missed the reality that um, there is an eternity that people are going to walk into. And Jesus has said like, the way community church isn't the hope for mankind. You are. Yes. You're the light of the world. Yes. On you, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. Yes. There's a responsibility that we have as the church to realize that, man, there's never been a time for us to recognize what's going on around us like right now. We need Jesus. And Jesus is saying, he needs you. I think that that's like crazy, the idea that God would need me or want me to do anything for him. Yeah. But the responsibility to be salt, the responsibility to be light is no small deal. And he said, be on, on you, I'd build a church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. I, I think, man, this is not the time to fall asleep at the wheel. And uh, I, I'm not into that old time religion. You can have that nonsense. Yeah. I, I want to be about God's business right now in my life. So anyways, uh, two weeks ago, we started the series, and this series took a hard turn. I don't even know where it's going or when it's going to end, right? But um, two weeks ago, we talked about how uh, racism is real. It's happening in the culture that we live in right now. And whether you realize it or not, some people are massively suffering because of it. And, and you could say you don't see it. That's fine. There's a lot of things that you don't see. My wife will tell me I trip over dirty socks every day and I don't see them. Uh, there's a lot of things that's going on in the world that I live in that I don't see. But just because I don't see them doesn't mean that they're not there. There's a lot of atheists that believe that God's not real because they don't see him. But come on now, right? Yeah. All right. So we said that racism is real and that we need to be part of this solution. Uh, last week, we talked about the gap and the chasm and, and, uh, and how right now we know that God is screaming for unity everyone's fighting. Everyone's mad at someone else. And we said, what, we know that the devil right now, his objective in the church is to divide. And God is screaming for unity. And he has given us the task, listen to this, of reconciliation. Of reconciling God to man and man to man. And if you're still fighting Democrats or Republicans, you're missing the point reconciliation. God is screaming for unity. All he wants is for his, brother, his sons and daughters to sit down together at a table yeah. and enjoy one another. Yeah. This is the cry of God's heart. Yeah. 
Today, I have another anthem. This is kind of one of my life messages. I feel like I've got a few, but this is one that I almost could not even look at the Bible and just talk. But for the sake of you not being strung out all over the room here today, I've tried to organize a message. And so here we go. Uh, my first point today, be the church. Honor your father and your mother. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, <laughs> and then you will live long. I, I love it because, you know, if you don't shut up, you're not going to uh, live very long, right? Anyways, uh, then you will live long, a full life in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. Can we pray? Jesus, we need your help. I can't do this without you. Amen. Hey, um, uh, uh, so one of the things I think is super funny, uh, I want a disclaimer. Men are supposed to be tough. And there are parts about men, like playing paintball yesterday. It was awesome. You missed out if you didn't come play paintball. We were men yesterday. We were warriors, man. And, uh, and those of you that missed out, you, know, you can come around next year or something like that. But, uh, but there's, uh, men are strong. But women, we know you're much stronger. Uh, and, and, uh, and I've learned this. Uh, not in myself, uh, but through, I, I get to sit down with people in council, couples, you know. <laughs> Women are so much stronger than men. Men are so easily broken. Our pride, our shame, we get so, we just give up and quit when our pride or feelings get hurt. We are all up in our feelings. Women are tough. Men, eh, we're getting there, right? <laughs> we're a process. And so what I've learned is that men need respect. Uh, we need honor. If a man doesn't have honor, he breaks, he quits, he shuts down. Women, if you want to know how to motivate your husband, tell him how good he was at taking out the trash. <laughs> you did, you took out that trash like nothing else. Man. And men, uh, they, they, they desire honor so much. It's in our core. I could make that the whole sermon today, but I won't. But I recognized when I was a kid, I didn't know what it meant to honor my father or mother. I didn't know how to honor anyone. I came from a broken home. And so this very subject is difficult for me. And God had to do much healing in my life, man. But when I'm telling you that I, this is one of the ways that I know that I know that I know that there's a God is how much healing God has done in my life on just the subject of honoring your father. I come from a broken home. Dad uh, was uh, a drug abuser, alcohol abuser, uh, woman abuser, child abuser. Uh, he was um, about himself because he was broken. And uh, I, I, I don't hate him for that, and, but it was hard for me. I hated him. And when mom and dad separated at an early age, uh, it was very easy for me to say, I don't care. What we do is, as men is we say this thing like we have no feelings towards it. We put up these walls that keep people out. When we're hurting, I don't care. We care. Every one of us care. But it's hard to admit when we're scared or confused or feel abandoned. And there was a deep rejection in myself as a kid. And what happened is I took that anger out on everyone else. I know that this subject today is a sensitive subject for many in this room. And uh, I pray today that God would reveal to you something that's so important. The family home 
is a model that the Lord, he, he didn't do it 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years. He's still doing it today. And this is crucial to him. Honor your father and mother. So uh, there's this verse that I found that um, really did a lot of change for me. Uh, and it's, it's found in Malachi. Actually, I'm, I'm going to take you guys there if you can. Malachi uh, is the last book in the Bible before uh, the, the Old Testament ends. And um, last book in the Bible before the New Testament starts and Jesus arrives, okay? What's really cool about this is the very last verse in the Old Testament before Jesus arrives is this. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the father to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and I will strike the land with a curse. Whoa, heavy. He's saying, I'm going to send this guy to you and he's going to preach about one thing. The father's returning to their sons. And daughters, and their sons and daughters returning to their fathers. We love baby Finn over there farting. He loves Pastor Tim. <laughs> Finn's a miracle, y'all. We'll take him. You can be as loud as you want, Finn. It's that baby language. Um, I, I, what I love is that it's important for you to understand a couple things. In verse 5, he says, I'm sending Elijah, but before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. What you need to know is that the day of the Lord, the day that the Lord comes back, is a great day. Because so many of us will be united with the Lord. It's a terrible day. Because of how scary that is going to be for so many that don't know the Lord. This is like full gospel reality. Great and terrible day of the Lord. Great and dreadful day of the Lord. And the next one, he says that he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons and the hearts of the sons to their... To, to, otherwise, I'll strike a land with a curse. And I think about that. What does that look like? So like in Exodus, we said that like if we honor our father and mother, we'll live long and prosper. If we don't, there will be a curse in the land. I only speak of this because I feel like in a lot of ways, my heart was cursed for so long in my life. And I really can't blame anyone else for what happens to me, but me. I, I was angry that I wasn't wanted or desired as a kid or angry that my stepfather walked out on me or, you know, I just didn't, there were so many reasons I felt like I could be angry. Um, but I, I can't blame anyone else. They said that no one can make you feel anything. They can't make you feel anger. They can't make you feel sad. They can't make you feel rejected. You're in charge of what happens in your own heart. And so uh, what, what, what happened in me was I chose anger because of rejection. And um, when I think about what's happening in our country today, I think our land is cursed right now. What does a curse look like? Well, it looks like people hating people. The system of authority is completely broken. And it was exactly what, as it was for me as a child. I hated teachers. I hated principals. I hated cops. I hated anyone that told me what was right or what was wrong because I'm my own man. And you can't tell me. Yeah. And as I look at the country we're living in right now, it's, 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 the, this, it's the system of authority that's broken. We hate anyone that would say this is bad. Yeah. 
But there is a right and a wrong way. And it's important that somehow we get back to trusting the system. And I know that what, uh, what I've learned is that in my life, God restored the image of a police officer. In my life, God restored the image of an authority figure, of a boss. I've been under many bosses, even as a Christian. that didn't do, make decisions that worked in my favor, that cut me short of what I deserved. And what's difficult to understand is that Romans chapter 13, verse 1 says, all authority comes from God. Well, I don't like that verse because I see a lot of authority figures that are absolutely wicked. All authority comes from God. And it doesn't mean that authority figures can't be broken. Just like father figures can be broken and be bad parents. There can be bad cops bad presidents, bad teachers, and bad principals. But it doesn't mean that God didn't place them there in our life over us. And we can still honor those above us, and it's healthy and good for us to recognize a system that God designed as He is sovereign over the earth. And there are many people, what's hard about this is when your image of, of, of your dad is broken, I have found... Again and again and again and again and again. And this was taught to me. And I was like, that's not true. And then the person began to break it down for me. And they said that when you're, the way you view your dad is the way that you review God until the relationship with God is restored. So if your dad was lazy, God's lazy. If your dad isn't, isn't, isn't emotional or kind to you, you don't view God as kind and emotional to you. If, you're God, if, if, if your father was, was wrathful or, or, or angry, that's the way that you view God. You don't view God as someone who's sensitive or kind. If you're, in, in the way that you view your earthly father, whether he walked out on you, it's the same way that you'll, you'll view God as if he's distant and, and because he's designed was to be a model of God. And the enemy right now is doing everything he can to destroy that model because when that model is broken, well, then the model of, 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 of your teacher is broken and the model of your principal is broken. And anyone that is, uh, takes the image of an authority figure in your life seems to be controlling and dictating and, and it's broken. And then we all want someone to blame. And what we have right now is a land where everyone wants someone else to blame. And what we really just need is healing and restoration, and it changes the lens to which we see everything. Does that make sense, kind of? Okay. And so I think about what, what separates a father and son? What, what, what makes like this message where I have to return the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, what what went wrong? There's plenty of things that probably go wrong, but I thought of two main ones, and um, out of this, I built this message. One, I think it's a, it's a disconnected father, a father who may be too busy doing other things to emotionally be involved, one that is separated emotionally from his kids. But that's not who the father is, because the father is connected to us. He knows our every thought, and so I, I, what I want to know, I want you to, to know is that if you, this is a word from the Lord here for, for many people today. I, I, if you don't hear anything else, you need to maybe hear this. 
You may be in a scenario where you don't feel like you've achieved great father status or have had great father status, but the way that it started doesn't have to be the way it ends. The way that it ends, though, is far more important than the way it started. Many of us can be good for so long and quit, and the day you quit is the wound that changes everything forever. The way it was doesn't have to be the way it ends, though. And so you may have, you may be currently have a, 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 um, a, a detached relationship with your kids and it doesn't have to end that way. And I'll take you there in scripture. One way is a disconnected father. And the second way, and there, there's probably a million other ideas. So this just happens through the lack of, of cool ideas that roams around in my dome. But this is the second one I got is, is one who, a disconnected father and one who overcorrects. Because the father is patient. The scripture says that he is actually a slow in kindness and, and, and he's, he's willing to like be patient with us in our, in our scenario. But a father who overcorrects, man, can really drive out their son. Check this out. There, or, and I say son, but I mean sons and daughters. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, you're hearing most of the thing through my lens. And, okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter six, verse four says this, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, okay? Don't provoke them to anger. Don't shame them. Don't break them. Do not provoke them to anger because as they get older, they will hate you. When they realize that they're becoming men and women, they will push you off. But bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. He's not saying don't discipline. That is not what this scripture is saying. He is not saying, don't be, be passive, dad. That is not what this scripture is saying because that's not who the Lord is. I don't know who our images of the father of who God is, but today my hope is to restore that because you're the church. Because you're responsible now, now for reconciliation to God. You're responsible for sharing the identity of who God is. And you have to get a clear understanding of what the, who the Father is. Does this make sense? I'm going to pray one more time because I'm super nervous. Jesus, help me. Amen. Okay. I, I went to a... T- so um, the day uh, I got a phone call um, I, when I was... I, I had just gotten saved and God had moved in my life in such a way that he, he forgave me of sin. And I was so crazy broken and someone told me that I need to forgive my dad. I hated them for it. Um, literally. But I did, and I called Dad, and we met, and, and, um, and we had dinner, and I hashed it out. I moved to Florida to start ministry, and I got a phone call my first year down here that said, hey, um, your dad just slipped into a coma. He's about to die. Dad was a heavy drug user, and most of his organs were shutting down, and um, I flew up to be home with him. There at his bedside, we prayed together. And I had a magical moment that another time maybe I'll share with you. Upon leaving the hospital, I was invited to go to a conference where they talked about the heart of a father and restoring the identity of of dad who you didn't have, who you may have had. He may have lived in your house all your life. He may have never lived in your house. But the way that you view God the Father is often through the lens of the authority figure that was closest to you. They say right now, statistically, more than 37% of kids 
don't have a father in their home. And that doesn't count for the biological. Like, you may even have a stepdad in the house. So imagine how many kids just had to go through divorce. It's hard, the wear and tear that happens on a kid just based on mom and dad not loving each other anymore. It's confusing. It's hard. And please understand that as a parent, I believe we are responsible to have big boy conversations with our kids. And so if you have been through a broken relationship, talk to them about how they feel about it because they have feelings about it and it's confusing to them. And it's important that we help shape and walk them through those emotions that they will be angry for you about. And you, what you don't realize it right now is that I counsel people again and again and again and again and again and again. I've done like 60 premarital counseling sessions. About 57 of them have wounds that stem right back to their childhood. And the number one complaint, for some reason, is never mom. Because they're stinking awesome. I love you, mom. I know you're watching right now. I love you. (laughs) For some reason, it's dad. And it's not fair, but you have to understand the responsibility that God has put on you because you wear his image. Sorry, not sorry. Man up. Be the church. Cool. So I didn't know who God the Father was because I never saw a father. I didn't know what a healthy marriage looked like because I never saw one. And I didn't realize that if I wasn't careful, I would start my life with the same wounds that I carried as a kid and God had to restore some things in me. Here's some things that I learned about what a father is. I have four points for you today, or at least I'm going to try. There are many, 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 many more points. But what I learned about Jesus, you have to understand Jesus, Trinity, uh, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit came down to earth and he walked teaching who God is to identify to us who God is. This was his mission. And as he's here, Jesus' mission is to define who God is. And the only thing that Jesus called God was Father. What? And what's crazy is when I hear this, it's kind of like frustrating because I don't know Father like that. And he's trying to restore to us the image of the Father. And I came up with four points. There are many. There are cooler ones. But this is what we got. One, a father provides. I think that this is important. It's important, it's important, it's important. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I, right? Because as a son, I'll do what my daddy does. And if my daddy works hard, I'm gonna work hard. I love that my father is always working. I hope my kids see that in me, that they see work ethic, that they see someone who is not lazy in, on this earth. My father is always working. There's a powerful verse that says that a father who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. Ow, that's not in the Bible. We'll just keep going. The Bible wouldn't say something like that. That's hardcore, man. Our job is to provide for our family. We live in a culture though, man. All right, cool. Matthew, but you have to understand is that if you didn't see that in your dad, it may not be in you. And I didn't see it in my dad because he wasn't there. I saw it in my mom who had to work two jobs, night shift and first shift, just 
to get us through because she refused to take income from anywhere other than what she can do for herself. Most of the time, I didn't see mom because she was working or sleeping. And I hated my dad for that. Uh, uh, another point about uh, a father provides, I love this, man. I feel like dads are supposed to be fun. Here's what I mean. Uh, so Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says this. It's so if you sinful people, this is Jesus, defining God the Father. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask of him? So what he's saying is dads know how to give quality gifts. Dads come home with fun stuff. Dads got presents. Dads are like, hey, look, let's do something cool. And I feel like a lot of times dads are the Debbie Downers. You know, a humbug, guy's going to put on a TV. <laughs> dads know how to give good gifts. And it's because they work. It's because they know how much money they have and what they can afford to give to their kids. And the scripture would go on to say, like, if a kid asks their father for a rock, would dad, no, like, no, I, that's not what he says. Ask him for a loaf of bread and would you give him a rock? Of course not. He says, look, dads know how to give good gifts. Make sense? Yeah. Jesus is restoring the image of a father to us who want to understand who God is, who are responsible to define what authority looks like over a kid. Second thing I want you to know is... Um, the father is involved. The father's involved. Somehow, I know that this is not necessarily generationally our problem. I think more than any other ones, this is one that we were handed to us from another generation where dads are emotionally detached from their kids. They're disconnected because they're busy and now tired and worn out. It may be because of a long job of work. But a father is involved in their kids' lives to the point where they ask questions. They know what's going on in their kid's heart and in their kid's life. This is crucial. And Jesus is trying to define this to us. Let me show you. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. I love this because every kid thinks like that they can they can open that wrench thing or open the can or open, you know, do something until they can't and they need dad to do it. You know, like dad can do anything. And my son apparently doesn't know who I am. My kids like hand something to me and I'm like, is there someone else? Because I, I break it, you know. But they say that a, a son can do nothing by himself, but, what, but he, he does only what he sees the father doing Whatever the father does, the son does also, which is why we have such a crazy problem right now. Because if dads are abandoning sons, then what are sons going to do? We have a generation right now that are being raised by their grandparents. It's awful. And we've got to get back to recognizing that the buck stops with me. I'm responsible for what happens in my home. I am the church. Does this make sense? You may not like this, but this is good preaching right here. I'll tell you right now. Preacher needs a raise right here. I'll tell you. <laughs> Another one here that I know, it says uh, that, that he's involved with us, is for your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. It's because he's involved. He knows what's going on. The scripture would say that the father knows the very numbers of hair on your head. I feel like it's getting easier for God with me, you know? Um, <laughs> 
But I, I, I know that um, what the, the Father is involved. And I, as I look at my relationship with God, God's always working for me. He's always providing for me. He is, he is always strengthening me, telling me that I can do more than what I know to do. And he knows everything that I need before I need it. My earthly father may not have shown that to me, but my godly father showed that to me. Also, uh, side note, it's kind of a, a rabbit trail, but uh, it's a true fact. Jesus, when he was like 12, he went to the, um, to the church, sending God to pray. And he had an earthly father. His name was Joseph. And Jesus gets lost for like three days and Joseph's pretty ticked. And he comes yelling at Jesus, you know, but Jesus is sinless. So he doesn't somehow do anything wrong. But in my house, I'd whoop that little kid's butt so bad. And Jesus looks at Joseph and he says, Joseph says, where have you been? And he says, didn't you know I'd be at my father's house? And, um, and to me, that's important because I had step parents. Um, it's, it's good to forgive and it's good to recognize that there's one greater. Does that make sense? Like, like I, I, I still need to gleam. I don't know. Maybe that's for someone else. But here's the third one that I think is crucial amongst where we're at right now is that the father disciplines. So he's a good father and he's kind and he's patient and he's good, but he is a father of discipline. Let me show you. Uh, in, in John chapter 15, verses uh, one through two, he says this. John 15 is the best chapter in the Bible. It's so cool. One time I, I read it for like two months straight every day. I would read John 15 and I would, it was something new. I'm like, how did I read this yesterday and not see this? John 15 is the coolest chapter in the Bible. I am the true vine, uh, grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. And what he's saying is my father's going around and he's cutting off some things that don't feel good in my life. He's getting rid of things that don't belong. He's getting rid of things that don't fit. He's taking care of things. Now, what you need to understand, what he's really saying, so he's talking about a vine and branches. And for a father to come over and snip a branch and say, uh, you don't need to have these friends. You don't need to watch this on TV. You, that girl ain't no good for you. That dude... He ain't got the best intentions for you. You're not going to see him. I will ground you for 17 years, Mia Joy, but you're not going to talk to that boy. It's my little daughter right there. And so, yes. A father disciplines their kid. And what I mean by that is that oftentimes dads are passive. The answer is just yes. But we understand discipline. Now, here's what the scripture says about discipline. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son. And whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. There's nothing worse than just letting a kid do whatever they want for the rest of their life because kids don't know what's good or bad for them. I'm 30-something years old, and I don't know what's good for me. If it was up for me, I promise you I would eat Oreo cookies all day every day, but I know that that's not good for me. I, true story, I didn't have a dad in my life, I never had a salad until I was 19 years old. Kid you not. It explains a lot, man, you know? Nah, I'm just kidding. All right, cool. Here we go. Uh, discipline. Um, uh, one last one. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. 
But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living to those who are trained in its way. No discipline is fun while it's going on, but it defines boundaries of things that are good for me. And when a father has good relationship with his son or daughter, they define what is good and correct what is wrong to help them in their way. We correct lack of reading because we, we value learning. We, we, and we don't just let things happen. You're not going to quit. I'm sorry, if you quit, you're grounded. Well, that's not fair. No, because we don't quit. We're not quitters. Life is going to be hard sometimes and we push through it. And I don't know what it is in your life, but I've learned that I have to stop talking right now. Um, uh, the, here's, here's the fourth one um, that I, I want to let you know today is that uh, one, a father is involved. A father um, disciplines us. And a father does something else that I forgot what it was. He, he provides. Here's the last one. A, a father is affectionate. Father is affectionate. Hear, hear me on this. Jesus said, I have loved you. Now, what's so thank, I'm so thankful for this is because I only knew love from my friends that were bad influences on my life. But they would literally lay down their life for me. But when parents are disconnected, you learn from wherever you want. But when Jesus looked at me and he says, I have loved you. I have loved you. I have loved you. I have loved you. Uh, you have to hear that if you've been rejected before, it's hard for you to recognize when someone says, I love you because there's a distrust. You ever had someone tell you they loved you before and they lied to you? It hurts. I've loved you as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. For the disciples, uh, for, for the Lord disciplines those who he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. And so it's important for you to understand this. Please, if you don't hear anything else, hear this today. If God is in your life, he is going to be telling you things that is not good for you. One of the things that God does is define to us what is sinful in our life because it's not good for you. This is what a father does. In my life today, your pastor, believe it or not, God is still rebuking me. Sometimes he'll tell me, you need to stop eating a meal today because you love food more than you love me. That's not true, God. Okay, skip a meal. Well, I don't know what it is, but there are things in our life where our appetites can be better, bigger than what is good for us. And the Lord disciplines those who he loves. Two more verses. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 30. It's important you understand that a father is affectionate. Why? Because many fathers don't know how to tell their kids, I love you. I'm passionate about you. I, I, I go to work for you because I love you. I am about you. You are my reward. Jesus said this, the Father and I are one. I, I want nothing else than for when my kids get older for them to be able to say, me and dad are best friends. That's a compliment. And Jesus can say that, and because Jesus can say that, I can say that about my God and Father. And for, for Jesus is trying to teach me the relationship I'm supposed to have with my Father in heaven. Does this make sense? And so when Jesus says, my Father and I are one, it's crucial. And they were one. Up into one dark moment on earth. Jesus always called God Father, except for one time. 
Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's taken on my sin, my pride, my self-righteousness, my religiousness. He's taken on my covetousness, my lust, my greed. And he's, he, he's dying for me so that I can be close to God and he's wearing my sin. From the cross, Jesus would pray many things. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But one of the prayers Jesus prayed is this. He said, in Matthew 27, verse 45 through 46, he says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until it was three o'clock. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, Shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus, who had never sinned at any point in his life, wore my sin. And while he's wearing my sin, for the first time, he feels separated from God. Because whether you realize it or not, I don't know what happens to Christians. It angers me where we just get lazy and forgetting to listen. But my sin still hurts Jesus. It still hurts God the Father. And it separates us. And it's Jesus that brings us back together again. Today, I'm trying to restore the image of God the Father. I'm trying to restore the image of dads that you would have a coach to look to in reference because I don't know how to be a dad if it wasn't for God the Father who revealed to me what it means to be a man. But I know that I know that I know that Jesus paid a way for me to be right with God and my sin still separates me from God. The scripture says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end leads to death. And why is it that we're okay with our sin? When Jesus said, God, you abandoned me. He felt separated for the first time because of what I'd done. God, I pray that you would put in my heart an awareness. God, I pray you would put in our heart an awareness of what it means when we are angry with our brother and sister or angry with our earthly dad or angry with our neighbor or prejudiced towards someone we don't even know, never even met them, but we're judging them based on situations they've done when you have forgiven us of what we've done. You are a God of reconciliation. You are a God that loves me even when I suck. Sorry. You are good. Would you do me a favor? Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? I have two prayers. One, you may need to forgive your daddy on earth again today. And that's a deep wound, man. I know it, I know it, I know that it's hard. But I'm telling you like what Jesus says, that you can't say you love God whom you've never met when you hate someone you have. And so, Jesus is all about restoring, 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 restoring. Some of you in this room today may need to forgive your earthly dad. And some of you need to find forgiveness.
for the things that you've done wrong before your heavenly dad. Forgiving your dad, being forgiven as a son and daughter. If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed just for one minute, I want to say a prayer for you. You say, I, I need forgiveness. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. 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 Powerful. Man, I'm telling you, God, waves of mercy and forgiveness and goodness will sweep over you. Is there anyone else here? I need to give forgiveness or I need to find forgiveness. That's me. Raise your hand right now. Wow. Jesus. Teach me to love like you. Heal me, God. Heal me, forgive me, and teach me to love like you. Forgive me, God, and teach me to love like you. Would you sing this with me? Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me And you have been so, so good to me Before I took a breath You breathed your life in me You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine, and I don't deserve it and I couldn't earn it still you give yourself away shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me
All right, so here's how we're going to end this. Uh, I swear this wasn't part of my plan, but I just heard, felt God press something in my spirit. Some of you right here today are feeling condemned right now. I'm going to need some help from the saints here in a second. The devil condemns. God does not condemn. He convicts. Amen? The scripture says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So there are some here to say, well, I'm divorced. Uh, I've messed up or I've done this or I've, as a dad, I haven't been there or I've hated my dad. And I've... Listen, what the enemy does on any team is when you fall down, he wants you to stay down. But what a partner and a teammate and a coach does is he says, get up, let's get better. The enemy condemns. God convicts and he compels. So you may have done wrong. That's good for you to be aware of it. Conviction is a good thing in your life. It means you have the Holy Spirit. When you know you've done something wrong, that's a beautiful thing. That's the discipline of the Father. Condem con condemnation means you're always this way. There is no hope for you. This is how people feel about you. And that's not of the Lord. Yes, amen. So today, for those that feel condemned, I pick you up as a friend today. And spiritually, I pat you on the butt and say, hey man, get back in the game. Be the church. Be the light. Be the salt. Be the hope of the earth. Right now, as the world is in chaos and fighting authority figures, change starts in you. So Lord, I thank you that you have showed me what goodness is, what leadership is, what authority is, what provision is. Help me to befriend my children and my friends. Show me to provide for them. Show me how to be an authority figure for them. Show me how to love them. You are balance in a world that is so extremely one direction. I love you, God, and I love everything about you, and you, every day of my life, are the best thing in my life. I bless. If you're, if you're a daddy in this room today, would you stand to your feet? If you're a son in this room today, would you stand to your feet? I pray right now over these men a blessing. Your scripture says to do it. So, Father, I pray that you would give them understanding to be the man that you've called them to be. To wear authority, to wear love, to provide, to equip like only you can show them. Thank you that you are close to them and you're leading them. Remember, the way that you start it doesn't have to be the way you end. I love you guys. I'm proud of you. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than hanging out with you guys this morning. Go be the church. I love you.